Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Hey, it's Educator Barnes here, and today's topic is the importance of the first day of school. Yesterday was my first day with students as the school administrator, and it was awesome. It is my it was my fourteenth time starting the school year, and every time I have the opportunity to start the school year, it's exciting. But sometimes I believe educators do not start on the right foot. They forget about the importance of the first day of school, and I don't think it's an intentional thing that happens I think there's so much that goes into the first day of school getting desk prepared having your rosters ready having your classroom decorated trying to make sure you've done every single thing on your administrator's checklist all that builds up and it can come out in a way that kind of diminishes the first day of school and the first day of school is a start you know my husband he ran track in high school and in college and he's still obsessed with track today, so we watch a lot of track races. Um, we're always watching Sports Channel. I don't even know the name of all of these track things he watches, but I'm there watching. But I think about when the race starts and the runners, they get down and they put their feet into the block. And to win the race, one of the most uh, important components is how you get out of those blocks if you get out of the blocks the wrong way that could be the reason that you don't finish the race strong and so when I think about our students and I think about the first day of school this is our we are getting up out of the blocks and that's how we're starting the race and we need to make sure we start the race strong It's our first opportunity to do so many things so I'm going to talk about five first opportunities that we have as educators that we really need to take super uh, and we need to make it important. We need to take it uh, to our heart. The very first opportunity that we have on the first day of school is to make a connection. And these connections, the, the, the most important connections we need to make are with our students. And so that is when students see you in the hallway, first of all, they should see you wherever you're supposed to be on time. So they're not coming down to your class and you're not there. You shouldn't be making copies. You shouldn't be somewhere else. You shouldn't be chatting down the hall with a colleague. You should be right there at your door, big smile on your face, ready to greet students. And you should greet every single student that you have. In my current role, I don't have a classroom because I'm a school administrator now, but I made a point to greet every parent, every child that walked by me. And in my current school, I think our enrollment's around and I have to say around because, you know, of schools, enrollment change daily throughout the day when the school year starts. They were around 572 the last time I checked. So, and I'm, our school is a K-8 school. So I am an administrator for 5 through 8, our middle school. So I try to greet every middle schooler that came by uh, my area that I was monitoring training and supervising. And any parent... Um, because our particular school, actually the last few schools um, I worked at, parents were allowed to come inside and walk their children to school. And 
I can do a whole other podcast about that because I know people have concerns or pros and cons about that. So maybe I'll do a podcast or article just to address that, but I won't do that here. But nonetheless, because we have that policy, I'm able to greet parents. And I personally enjoy having an opportunity just to kind of make that connection immediately. Child, mom, dad, grandma, aunt, guardian, whoever that is, make that connection on the first day. When kids come in and they don't get that from you, that's already starting them off on the wrong foot. Like, where is my teacher? Why is my teacher smile not smiling? Well, the teacher greeted the last five kids and didn't greet me. Well, I know those kids were here last school year. I'm new, and the teacher just overlooked me because they were so caught up in catching up with the students that they knew from last school year. So that's really important because if you teach in the school for a while, you're going to have students that want to see you because they miss you. School becomes a family. So they're like, so even if you have students from previous years that you know, make sure you're still putting a lot of your attention on your new students that are coming to your class. Our second first opportunity is to set the tone, the guidelines, and the procedures. And I had the opportunity just to walk around and kind of see how teachers were doing. And it just warmed my heart because it was awesome. But I'm a type of teacher that when I'm setting these tones, it's like we're going to get it. We're going to do it till we get it right. Because what we won't do is um, start the school year off sloppy. We're going to do the procedure. So um, I like to do an activity where we're studying the essential agreements. And the kids are coming up with, like, what do I need? I kind of frame it this way. What do I need in this space to be safe? What do I need in this space to be a productive learner? What do I need to help me contribute to the classroom? And so I typically group them, give them posters. They write some stuff down. Um, We take it and we compile it um, to figure out. Because a lot of times kids say the same thing. They say similar things or, like, so then we group like, hey, all this kind of comes down to treat everybody how you want to be treated. So let's put that together. Um, all this comes down to kind of following directions the first time they're given. And then all this comes down to be a risk taker and participate. And if you know me, those are actually the three essential agreements I end up having in my classroom every single year. But I still walk students through this process of fleshing this out because I argue <laughs> that every time I do this activity, all the answers go into those three categories and I can make it work. Uh, so I already have the poster uh, ready, uh, and I normally put it up later um, that week just to kind of set the tone because, honestly, I dislike um, when I go into classrooms and they have a laundry list of rules or central agreements, guidelines. It's unnecessary. You can tie almost everything back to a few points, and then it makes it easier for students to recount. It's like, right here, we need to treat everybody how we need to be treated. That address, keep it feet, hands, objects to yourself, you know, uh, that addresses um, calling people by their, the name they want to be called by, because you can get down into the minutiae and all those little itty bitty rules. Instead, if you see somebody not following something, oh, hey, you're talking while I'm going in direction, so you missed it, you need to uh, follow directions the first time they were given. Um, so th- that's what I like to do. And then there's so many procedures in a school. I mean, how do I enter the school? How do I go to my classroom? Where do I get my breakfast? Where do I eat my breakfast? Where do I dispose of my breakfast? When do I go to my locker? How much time do I have to go to my locker? When are the bathroom breaks? What other procedures are going to the bathroom break? 
How do we walk in the hall? Are we allowed to talk? Are we not allowed to talk? Are we have to walk in two lines? Do we have to walk in one line? Do we have an ABC order in the line? How do we enter the cafeteria? Where do we sit in the cafeteria? Do we have assigned seats? Can we sit with other people? Do we talk the whole entire cafeteria time? Are we quiet at the beginning and the end? How do I go out for dismissal? So those are like school-wide procedures. And then you're thinking about the classroom procedures. And when I coached teachers for uh, three years, this is a thing I really... So when I first became a literacy coach, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make these teachers great literacy experts. That's what I thought. Real talk, about a third of my job was that. A third of my job was uh, actually doing that. Another third was kind of like being a life coach, <laughs> a counselor. And the other third was classroom management and procedures. So after I realized what this job, that job all entailed, I'm like, I have to deal with, you know, the classroom management. I have to deal with the classroom procedures because we're never going to get to a literacy piece if your class is a hot mess and so you really have to think about the procedures in your classroom how are students entering your classroom what do you want them to do when they come in do you want them to take out their agenda book and write down the objective and the agenda for the day and the homework do you already have that posted on the board do they come in immediately and do like a do now uh get started you know a do now or a bell work whatever you call it is that what they do when they enter okay Everyone's not going to get done with the, I call mine a bell ringer or bell work, depending on the school year. I think the last time I had bell work, I, I, I think the last time I had the first activity, I call it bell work. So after they get done with bell work, everyone's not going to get done at the same time. What do you do? Do you have a board that says, you know, uh, when you finish your work, you are able to do this, this, and this. I was an English teacher for nine years, so you probably can guess one of my things that you were able to do if you finish early. Get out your independent book and read. Um, I had a, I also taught uh, vocabulary, specifically uh, word roots and stems. So one of my other activities was get that out and practice because you know we're going to have a quiz, uh, a test every other week. So you have no excuse not to say that Mrs. Barnes didn't give you time to study because you had time to study after you finished your bell work or when you finished any activity early. Um, a third point I typically had was if there was something, another assignment. Now, the first day of school, you're not going to have another assignment. But the school year gets rolling, um, they may have something else that they could uh, work on. And I was actually a teacher, which some teachers didn't like. But, you know, I'm not about pleasing other people in that regard. I also allow students, if they got done with work early, they could also finish something for another student. Um, I like to be a, uh, not another student for another teacher. Um, I like to be a team player. And, like, sometimes they... Some students are, they are whizzes in English, so they don't need, they didn't have anything else extra to do for me. Um, they already finished reading their book. They hadn't got their next book yet, um, So, but they struggling in math. So yeah, go ahead and pause your math and work on that for a few minutes. My thing is you are busy. You are doing something. You're not talking to your neighbor. You're not wandering around the classroom. Um, how do you want them to go and sharpen a pencil? Are they allowed just to get up and sharpen their pencil at any time, or do they have to ask? Typically, the procedure I had was uh, you had to ask uh, for a couple of weeks. Then after that, I established when you can go by yourself. Um, if somebody got up and went to the pencil sharpener, like if I'm talking, you don't go to the pencil sharpener. If we're having a discussion, you don't go to the pencil sharpener. Um, so if somebody did that, I would just stop class. Somebody explained the procedure for the pencil sharpener. I would just say it. Someone want to say it, and then I would give the teacher stare at whoever was at the pencil sharpener until they stopped what they were doing and got right back into their seat. And so 
you have to think about all those uh, situations. If you're using notes, um, I did Cornell notes. So I had a whole lesson about how we use Cornell notes, the importance of Cornell notes, the expectation is that is what you're going to use every time we say notes, every single time in Mrs. Barnes class, point blank, period. And this is what I expect to see. And I talked about how to take notes. Um, Cause if you ever see me present um, in workshops or if you ever see me teach, I am not a text heavy PowerPoint Google Slides person. So I had to teach students how do you take down some of what Mrs. Barnes is saying that is not on her slide? And I think that's super important. And yes, I put scaffolds in for uh, students. So um, if I had a student who had an ILP, an individual learning plan, or an IEP, uh, individual education plan, they had notes that actually had most of what I was going to say that were key points and they just had to fill in the blank. And because I had done a lot of my presentations several times, I had it like internalized. Um, so it wasn't a case of my notes didn't match what I was going to say um, because I knew I had to at least say a few of these sentences because those sentences that were on those really scripted Cornell notes. But for other students who didn't need that scaffold, they just had, if you don't know what Cornell notes are, the left side, you kind of have your, your topics, your right side, you kind of have the notes about those topics, the notes um, in, in example, um, you know, or other little activities or they may be modeling or doing some guided practice on that side. But I mean, I just gave you a few, but setting those, the tone, the guidelines and the procedures are super important. And what's even the most important is if you're teaching it and kids are doing it incorrectly, you stop them and you reset. Because if they learn it incorrectly, they're going to continue to do it incorrectly and you're going to be frustrated. And so that's your first opportunity, but you should do it with happiness. Because I've seen, um, not this school year, I've seen kids just sitting there like looking like they have been tortured because it's like, and you know, last school year, I just had all these kids doing this. So this school year, this is, we are not doing this. Like it shouldn't come off across that way. I always try to say, you know, to maximize our learning, this is why it's super important that we follow this procedure. Does anybody have any questions about that? I really try to frame it back positively, not punitively based on, because if you are a kid new to a classroom, I don't want to hear what the kids did last school year. What did that got to do with me? Who said I'm going to act like that? So I always frame it as these procedures are in place for you, for you that's sitting here right in front of me. The third um, first opportunity we have that students look at is the opportunity to practice what you preach. I don't care what school you're in, there's some part of the day where students are typically silent. And uh, I notice sometimes that adults are doing things contrary to school procedures and it sends mixed messages. I do understand that adults are adults, so adults do get some privileges that children do not get. But, you know, if it's the situation where it's the cafeteria and the cafeteria is supposed to be silent and now the teacher's in the corner just having a conversation, then the students are just like, first of all, you're not monitoring the cafeteria if y'all in the corner. Um, but secondly, it's like, man, the teachers are talking. Why can't I talk? Especially when you just have a conversation. It's not like you're like, hey, you know, is so-and-so supposed to be leaving the cafeteria with their lunch? You're not getting a quick info, a bite of information. And so I think it's super important. If we're saying to students, you need to get to class on time, but you showing up to work late, you are not practicing what you're preaching. And please, please, please don't be rolled up to school late on the first day of school. That is the... Mm, that is an extra no. You shouldn't be late any day, but on the first day you're rolling in late, that's just, 
I don't know. Yeah, it's not acceptable. Look, I always tell myself on the first day of school, you need to get there early because think about it. You have if you're especially you in the school that has kindergarten, regardless of where that child went to preschool or not. It's like kindergarten. A lot of times parents see that that's their first opportunity to go to like real, like real school. And so I did not. I was not a parent who actually um, drove my kids to school the first day of kindergarten. To me, it wasn't that deep. I didn't need to do all that. I kind of did that was preschool. But I was at home to put my sons onto the bus. I took a picture. I actually took a picture of them the first and last day of school. Um, but a lot of parents, they want to be the parent that takes their kid to school in kindergarten and walks that kid in. That means the parking lot is going to be full. The street to your school may be blocked off. So if you rolling up to your school the same time you roll up during the middle of school year, you may not even be able to get into the street to the school or to the parking lot. So uh, so that's just like a veteran teacher pro tip. You need to leave your house almost twice as early just to make sure you can get a park or you're going to be parking somewhere down the street and trying to hustle and run. And look, it's still the summertime. So you don't want to be running up to your school all sweaty. I'm trying to get there on time. So there are just some guidelines in schools that students have to follow that teachers should also uh, be following uh, too. So we're being that role model because just like children watch their parents and sometimes internalize and imitate what their parents do, kids are watching you. Students are watching teachers. So it's important that we are also modeling uh, good behavior. Second is the first opportunity to connect uh, with parents. You may do that on the, the ice cream social night uh, where parents are coming to meet you for the first time. Um, you may be doing that on the first day of school because the first day of school, a lot of times parents are coming um, just to drop off supply because we ask for a lot of supplies for good reasons because teachers don't make that much. Uh, we don't want to take out of our own pockets to buy these supplies. So we put a lot of stuff on the supply list just hoping to get to the end of the year. And I say hoping because I want to be real. There's a lot of school years. I got the supplies I needed, but they didn't make them to the end of the school year. We just did a lot of stuff. And especially in English, like sometimes I wish I would have asked for twice the amount of just paper because in English we write a lot. Like that's just the reality of the class. And so you want to make sure you're positive. And remember, parents are anxious. I mean, they may ask you 10 questions. And with every single question they ask, you should respond in a cheerful tone and with a smile. Even if it's like a question that you like, are you seriously asking me this this right now? Even if you don't know the answer, even if you've had to call the office like five times to get clarification, whatever it is, do it with a positive tone. Because if you come off annoyed or stand offish or like, I don't have time for this. Then when you call for whatever reason, the parents going to remember that first interaction with you. Oh, I see how this teacher is. And now she calling the house. You don't want to set that up. And then the last first opportunity we have is to have a positive growth mindset. Uh, what people typically realize about me on the first day of school, and I actually try to have this ask my this whole being the school year. Don't come over here with no negative comments. I'm going to come back with a positive phrase um, to the point that you probably just will stop talking to me if you're just trying to be negative Nancy uh, man oh my favorite one that I hear is not my favorite because I'm being extremely sarcastic because if you've seen my video actually thinking about it, I probably should share my little video out again um, man these students are coming in here 
Do you see how many of these names I have? I just, I don't even know how. Don't. First off, if you're going to come to me and complain about how students' names are pronouncing, besides falling on deaf ears, you might, you might get an earful for me. My first name is Shantae. The way it's spelled, um, some people just does, do not pronounce it correctly. So I was that child where the teacher was butchering my name, getting an attitude. Yes, getting an attitude because I had to correct it because my parents made it very clear. Look, the, my family had really nice little Anglo-Saxon names. Mom and Dad, James and Lisa, my sister, Sherry and Alice. Their names are never mispronounced. My name is Shantae, and actually, I'm not going to put all my family business out here, but if the middle names of my mom and dad and my sisters are very nice Anglo-Saxon, European-ish names that are easy to pronounce, uh, my middle name is Shakol. So, I typically have my first and second name butchered. <laughs> so, it is very, and then I have teachers like, do you have a nickname? Um, nope, uh, it's Shantae, and my parent made really emphasize with me if someone mispronounces your name you say it back correctly do not allow anyone and I had it was like my when I first went to school I didn't correct somebody so my parents showed up and I was called by the wrong name and let me tell you uh, what I remember is my parents giving the teacher an earful about what my name is and making clear I mean my parents were like is Shantae what is her name yeah, and my parents expected their response because they wanted to be clear when they left that school that you know what my child's name is and that's what you're going to call her for the rest of the school year. So like making negative complaints, you know, looking at your class list like, oh my gosh, all these students are just, whew, I had, you know, y'all know the, I had their siblings, man. This family is difficult. Oh man, uh, you've, you've been in a, their uh, data folder. You've been in their cumulative file. Man, this kid, I already heard so-and-so was a nightmare. Look, they haven't had you as a teacher yet. So whatever you've heard about the students, don't come in here with that negativity. <sighs> Do you, the office will send another email about something. Look, it's the first day, first week of school. Real talk, you know, as much as we plan for the first day of school to run perfectly, there are just some things that crop up and there's some stuff that needs to happen. There may need to be a handout that needs to get sent home. And you need to get in the folders. Just do it. Do it with a smile. Because... This is what I say to myself to keep a positive mindset. Did whoever, did the front office, did my principal, did my colleague, did they wake up in the morning and say to themselves, how can I go to school and make the day more difficult for someone else? That's probably not what happened. What probably happened is, oh my gosh, I need this to happen. I just need, I, I just need to say, can you do this? So... Yes, you may be frustrated. Yes, you may be trying to go home. But remember, what I say to myself, did this person wake up early in the morning just to piss me off? They wake up early in the morning to give me a whole bunch of extra stuff to do just for kicks and just for fun. N no, they did not. Now, I know there may be some people listening, but <laughs> so-and-so, look, there's always a so-and-so. There's always that one person that be extra and just be doing stuff and they don't got these, you know, stuff together. But for the most part, that's not the case. So I just say to myself, um, I mean, I've been in that situation like I got a, I, I got like 30 minutes left and you talking about put, putting all this stuff in the, the folders. I still got to get through X, Y, and Z. Look, you don't see the kids tomorrow. Just do it. Just whatever you're trying to do, just shift it over to tomorrow. Get the, the mandate done. 
just just try to help other people out and try to just have a positive outlook and 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 assume the best don't just automatically think that something's happening to to kind of to, to trip you up because typically i, I just it, that's not the case so i've talked about making a connection um setting tones and guidelines and procedures practicing what you preach connecting with parents and having a positive growth mindset these are five important components to starting off like getting out of the block starting off that first day of school with uh with the best possible start you can because the first day of school really sets the tone for the rest of the school year the first week sets the tone for the rest of the school year and you really 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 want to make sure you are bursting out of those blocks on the uh the right foot and so hopefully this information has been helpful. If you think of some ideas that I haven't covered, because there's probably tons I haven't covered, drop them in the comments. Tweet at me, uh, hashtag it, uh, Brazen Education. My Twitter handle, Instagram handle is Educator Barnes. You can learn more about me at uh, EducatorBarnes.com. And um, I will uh, share some more thoughts on the next podcast. Have a great day.